Welcome to Give Theory a Chance. In this episode, we speak to Jamie Kaczynskis, an assistant professor of sociology at Hamilton College and author of The Mindful Elite, Mobilizing from the Inside Out. Jamie explains how reading George Herbert Mead shifted her understanding of the self away from the individualistic model that is so popular in the United States towards seeing the self as a product of the social environment. We discussed the profound impact that the realization had for Jamie, both as a scholar and as a person in the world. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we are here to talk about George Herbert Mead. Could you just give us a short summary of who they are or, or what they're known for in your mind? Sure. So George Herbert Mead was a philosopher, um, a social psychologist, and one of the founding fathers of the American Pragmatist School in Sociology. He taught in the Department of Philosophy at the University of Chicago, which was a brand new institution when he started in 1894. So oddly enough, he didn't even write his most read scholarship today, which is a book called Mind, Self, and Society. His students put the book together based on his lectures, unpublished manuscripts, and stenographic notes, and they published it after his death in 1934. Um, but the book is, is really important because it was one of the primary bases of the theory of symbolic interactionism, which is a theory that analyzes human behavior in terms of the meanings that people give it. So as Mead points out, we learn these meanings over our lifetimes from all of the interactions that we've had with other people, objects, and ourselves. Do you get a sense that he is widely read or drawn upon the larger discipline, or is he might more confined to people who do social psychology or, or like you were saying, people who draw on that symbolic interaction tradition? So I, I think Mead is pretty well known in sociology writ large, but in my sub area in the sociology of religion, he actually isn't talked about that much. Um, I think he's big in social psychology um, and in symbolic interactionism, so, but less so in, in the areas I work in, which makes it more fun. Okay. So, so then considering your, your interests, how did you first become aware of his ideas or when did you first hear about Mead? So I stumbled into him when I was actually an undergraduate at Colorado College. So when I was there, I had this, this really great mentor, Jeff Livesey, who was a really inspiring social theorist, which is pretty rare these days in sociology. Um, but he supported me and embarking on a really ambitious senior thesis project where I was trying to take pragmatist theory and apply it to the contemporary social world in an effort to understand how people could work together to solve all the collective problems and the collective risks that we all face. That's right. That seems really big. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. Um, it was, yeah. it was a huge project, but it was fun because I got to spend six months in the library just reading, um, all sorts of different things. A lot of pragmatism, a lot of postmodernism and like things like the risk society, um, so I just hold up in the library and read and read and read, and it was great. Do you remember when you first read his actual writing? Or I guess, as you were saying, not his writing, but the 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 book that his students put together? I do, and it was, it was one of those aha moments for me. So at first, I mean, I was 21 years old, um, and at first I found it terribly challenging to read. I was I felt like I was deciphering it. I mean, I had a dictionary back then. Um, I don't even think I was doing it. I don't know if I was doing it on the computer at that time. I think I had an actual dictionary. And I'd read parts and I'd look up all the words I didn't know. And it, it was really slow going. But 
um, when the whole thing came together and I could see what his big message was, it hit me like a thunderbolt. Um, so what he was saying was that contrary to popular belief that we're all these independent personalities and selves bouncing around in the world on our own trajectories, um, which I believed at the time. And what he was saying was that at our base, we're intrinsically social. So essentially, we can't be a person. We can't have a sense of self, a sense of who we are um, without interacting with other people and other objects. And it's from them and from the interactions with them that we become who we are. So that struck me as an incredibly radical idea, which really really just shifted um, the way I thought about like who we are as people. Um, the idea that at our foundation, we're intrinsically social and we're an aggregation of all the interactions we've ever had with other people and with objects. How did you find the motivation to keep reading his work when, like you were saying, it, it felt like you were translating, you had to keep going to a dictionary? Because I know in my own experience and in a lot of students' cases, when you encounter those texts that are so difficult, you kind of just stop. It's a lot easier to stop. I think for me, I had the sense that it was important. Um, it's kind of like when you're reading poetry and you get this like intuitive feeling that it's what you want to be reading. Um, and you just bear through it. And it takes patience. Um, but I, I think it also, I just have a deep love of learning and of books. Um, so it's just, I guess for me, it's something that I, kind of take for granted that I just do. Uh, maybe that's why I ended up staying in school for the rest of my life. But um, but yeah, I think it just takes patience, you know, and I don't know, back then, I think before social media, before smartphones, um, I think it was easier to do that back then. So this was like 2000 and 2004. So it was before smartphones really got so prevalent. Once you started to have that moment where the ideas began to click and you realized how transformative that could be, did it start to make more sense as you went on or was it always difficult as you pushed through? Was it like once you once you picked up the rhythm, did it work or or was it always that challenge? Yeah, so it's a good question. I think everybody thinks differently. And for me, one reason I'm probably a sociologist is that I see things in patterns. And so it's tedious compiling all the different pieces. But once I saw the system, it was locked in and I could just, it was like this whole new lens of seeing the world that I could then use, which was amazing and empowering. You spoke a little bit about some of the reasons it was an aha moment for you. Is there any particular idea of me that, that you really find as being the most significant as you move forward or the, or the thing that you've kept and held on to? Yeah, I think the big idea is, is his theory of the fact that we have these social selves. And that's been invaluable to me um, in understanding a lot of different phenomena and experiences. So the idea that, you know, we learn who we are from the people that we spend time with and that we interact with, that helps us explain so many different things. So like in studying or organizations, it helps us understand why people who work at the same place and work together tend to act the same, why it's so hard, you know, to bring in diversity, but also why diversity is so important because it's through learning from other people who are different than us that we actually have the potential to grow. So these ideas are running through my teaching and my research. And I actually, I bring Mead into a lot of my classes as well. Classes that you wouldn't expect, like ranging from intro all the way to religion. To, to really talk about how we understand other people, how we learn from them, um, the assumptions that we make um, based on our past experiences with other people. Um, and actually now I'm, I'm a mom now, and so I have a little toddler. And 
you see a lot of Mead's theory in how children learn and grow and learn how to repeat gestures and learn how to communicate and talk. Um, so that's a whole new world that's opening up to me recently. That seems like a good chance to transition into your own research. So could you tell us a little bit about your research and how you've drawn on Mead or how it's shaped the ideas or questions that you ask? Sure. That's an interesting question in part because I don't think, I don't always cite Mead, but I think his influence is definitely um, woven through a lot of different things that I've written. And I think what it comes back to is this idea that if we're intrinsically social, if we're in- interdependent, essentially, and if we learn how to understand the world and how to act in the world from other people that we spend time with. Then the question is, like, how do we make the world better together? Um, how do we, and this is the same question I was asking in that undergraduate thesis, and I think is kind of subconsciously um, been driving a lot of the work in different areas that I do. So I, I just recently finished a book, The Mindful Elite, which is on how this movement of elite professionals Uh, popularized uh, mindfulness meditation coming from Buddhism, how they adapted it and changed it and moved it into really powerful social institutions like schools, healthcare, business, and the military. And for that book, I think that I wanted to incorporate the idea of how they saw the world um, because they were surrounded by other people like them and how that shaped their tactics for spreading for spreading mindfulness and what they thought was okay, um, what their goals were, how well they achieved them, and the things that they really couldn't see from blind spots because um, they didn't have that exposure to to a lot of people um, from you know from less affluent positions or from you know a wider spectrum of ethnic backgrounds. So I think it comes back to trying to understand the world through the lens through which people see it knowing that that lens is limited by the social positions that they're in. So it seems like Mead is just this underlying foundational figure that shapes the way you see the world. So are you are you calling into question or building directly on any of the ideas or it's just that he's kind of everywhere in your in the way you approach research? Uh, I think I see him as pervasive, but I'm definitely also trying to build out from from him. So as a social psychologist, he was really focused on cognitive processes that go on in your head. And he was also interested in interactions, direct interactions with another person or another object. And I think as a sociologist today, I think more about C. Wright Mills, about the sociological imagination, about how we're situated in these much broader worlds that go beyond one-on-one interactions or even group interactions with other people and extend to organizations and institutional fields and countries and and the planet. So I think that that's something that I've been circling around for years is how do you make sense of the fact that people see the world through these circumscribed lenses, but the fact that we're all interconnected in much more complex social organizations and fields. So then how do you how do you make sense of that? And then how do you mobilize? How do you try to solve social problems and make the world better from there? So so yeah, I would say that I see Mead as really important, but I also would um, want to complement his work with other, you know, organizational or field theorists like Flickstein and McAdam, they have a recent book, The Theory of Fields, which says that, you know, we need to pay attention to all of the different broader fields that we're situated in. So they would be someone else, I think, that would help kind of extend that social psychological lens that Mead had. 
do you see any of the other foundational pragmatists being used in in your areas of work or do you read them as often or is it really Mead that you see as the more dominant uh, person bringing that style of pragmatism to sociology and social theory? You know, I think people in education still read John Dewey, and I think that he's also a link because he thought that through education and through that particular institution, people can learn to work together um, to address some of the bigger problems that we face. So people definitely read Dewey. Cooley also. So when I was in graduate school, I actually... I went to Indiana University, and I went there because I wanted to study religion with Rob Robinson, who is a wonderful mentor. Um, but I actually, while I was there, also fell in love with Peggy Thwaites, who is a very widely respected, prominent um, social psychologist. And in taking her social psychology course, um, she she talked a lot about Mead, but she also, I think, Cooley and Bloomer and other people have picked up, you know, where Mead left off and have tried to make, they've tried to broaden, you know, his theory and make it more applicable in interaction. So, yeah, so there's definitely, particularly in social psychology, I think a lot of people are still working off of not only Mead, but some of the people that followed him and built off his work, Cooley. Well, Cooley, I guess, was the same time period as me. They were, they knew each other, actually, and bounced ideas off of each other. But but Bloomer certainly um, took the pragmatist ideas and extended them and made them more popular in sociology writ large. Has your relationship to Mead and, and his ideas changed? I mean, it's, it's a funny thing to think about, but considering that you've gone from a period where you were having this aha moment as you were holed up in the library as an undergrad, figuring out what your senior project would be to someone who's actually using him in all these different types of classes, has your relationship to those ideas changed a lot? I mean, I think that I'm probably even more impressed now by the broad range of things that I still find his theory applicable to, even though, you know, I've become more critical going through graduate school, getting the PhD and doing research. The fact that I, I still find his ideas amazing and really insightful and um, extremely applicable, I think, makes it all the more impressive. All right. So this is the final question that I like to ask everyone. And this is your chance to really sell me to the to the masses. So whether it's the people teaching undergrad classes, whether it's a grad student figuring out what direction to go to their work or even general public if they listen to the podcast. So reflecting back on your project your experience as a researcher, as a, as a teacher, what would you say are the main reasons that someone should engage with a text like Mind, Self, and Society? So I think that his theory of the social self hits on one of the central insights of sociology. So despite how most people think from an I perspective, um, based on their own experiences, which can be quite limiting, um, we're just so much more deeply social than most people, especially most Americans, realize. Um, and that insight that, you know, that we as individual selves wouldn't be possible without other people and other objects to interact with. Um, the fact that human nature is just so deeply and, and intrinsically social, I think, is really important. And in this country in particular, I don't think that we take that wisdom and apply it so that we can live good lives and rich lives um, to the extent that that's possible. Um, so you could you know, take that and turn it into a critique of many of the phenomena, uh, many, many current social phenomena and the ways in which we structure our world. So for example, if we need other people to be thriving, growing selves, 
then solitary confinement is an inexcusable form of torture. Our isolation of the elderly, our society's persisting structural and cultural divisions and inequality by race, nationality, sexuality, and gender, um, they're short-sighted because, as Mead's theory shows us, by exposing ourselves to diverse other people and perspectives, that's really the source of our self-growth. So I think it points us also to ways that we can make the world better. And I think that theory can change your life. I know for me, it's it's transformed mine. And so in conveying it to other people, I hope that it's as useful and powerful for them as it's been for me. That's a really inspiring note to end on. Thank you again. Thank you. Appreciation goes to Jeffrey Gilbert for providing our theme song, undergraduate sociologists Alicia Rios and Simone Graham for their help with the project, and most importantly, on behalf of me, Kyle Green, Thank you for giving theory a chance. Thank you.